you have to be your biggest supporter. You have to believe in yourself more than anybody. I've had people say to me like, oh, you're definitely gonna make it or, you know, or, or people that I want respect from not give it to me as fast as I want to, but I know eventually if, if they're not going to, I have to respect myself. So it's literally just, if it's burning inside you, that's, that's what will push you forward. I don't think there's anybody that can give you advice. The only advice that I've ever heard from anybody in this business is don't take anybody's advice. Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. Hi, it's Jessica Ann, and thank you so much for listening to my podcast. We're in episode 31 of season three, the last episode of this season. Today is Sunday, April 29th, and it's the full moon in Scorpio, which is a good omen for stability and success. This full moon focuses on the benefits of the planet Saturn, which are preparedness, steadiness, determination, and final success. According to bustle.com, it's a pink moon, but it doesn't actually resemble the color for which it was named. According to the Farmer's Almanac, pink moons are named after the flowers that grow in the United States and Canada During the spring. In some parts of the world, this lunar phenomenon is also referred to as an egg moon or fish moon due to the influx of fish that swim upstream during this time of year. Unfortunately, the moon does not resemble a fish or an egg either, but how cool would that be? Those on the east coast of the US will have the chance to see a nearly full moon around 7 30 p.m., according to space.com. The moon and sun will even share the sky for a short period of time in New York, due to the sun setting 20 minutes after the moon rises. But how will you feel this astrologically? The full moon in Scorpio is expected to be a reprieve from some of the strange, unpleasant energy you may have felt from both Mercury and Saturn experiencing retrograde one after the other. According to Astrology King, The April 29th full moon now brings the stability and security to crystallize recent changes and make them permanent improvements. This is a good full moon for making new partnerships binding, formal and legal. It's a good full moon for tradition, ritual, and ceremony. This brings me to today's guest and the importance of ritual for me. For many, ritual is a serious business. But for me, I'm a goofball, and I like to instill a ritual of laughing my ass off on the regular. The thing with humor is that it can get awkward super fast. You write or say something silly with the hope that the audience likes and laughs at what you say, but you won't know if your content makes or misses the mark until after you hit publish on an article or publish a podcast. But when done well, humor in your marketing gets your content shared, commented on, and can deliver a ton of traffic. So how do you use humor in content marketing in a way that works? My guest today does not do content marketing, but he does do humor. And in this interview, he shares his journey about becoming a comedian. What's interesting is that comedians and entrepreneurs have a lot in common. I'm not going to lie, improv scares the crap out of me. It's one thing to record a podcast in the comfort of my own home with all of my beautiful listeners not able to see me, but it's quite another to step on stage with the goal of making people laugh. 
Improv is something I'm doing to get myself out of my comfort zone and challenge myself. I'm thinking of doing it. I'm an introvert, and as much as I love being at home with no makeup on, cuddling with my dog, the extroverted side of me loves to make people laugh. Have you done improv? What was your experience? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at hello at jessicaannmedia.com. And as always, if you love this podcast, please leave a review on the iTunes store. Today's guest is comedian Josh Adam Myers. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to The Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness to let you and your business evolve. Today, I'm so thrilled to have with me Josh Adam Myers. Josh is a comedian from Baltimore, Maryland, who currently lives in Los Angeles, California. Josh, thank you so much for joining me on The Art of Humanity. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Josh, uh, I really enjoyed watching you grow as a comedian. I first saw you before I lived in L.A. I came here as a part of vacation, and I ju- you just have such an engaged way with the crowd. And I, you're a personal friend of mine and my partner's, and I've just really enjoyed watching and, and seeing you grow through throughout the years. Um, I'm curious because... A lot of people get into comedy for different reasons. I know you've been really excited about comedy since a young age. Um, As the, you know, as the ultimate comedian said, George Carlin, it's the duty of the comedian to find out where the line is drawn and cross it deliberately. This, of course, requires a lot of chutzpah, a lot of guts. So I'm curious, what got you into crossing that comedian line deliberately what brought you into comedy um i don't know i just i always used it uh it was something that was just very easy for me to do uh i was always kind of like the funny guy in class and you know my dad used to watch stand up and i just used to watch it with him when i was like six years old and i was like oh this is awesome you know and he explained to me what it was and then it just was something that just stuck with me and uh, I felt like something I'd be good at and, uh, you know, it took me a lot longer than I wanted to, to do it, but I got started and, and now I just haven't looked back. That's awesome. So you grew up in DC and you spent a lot of your childhood growing up. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what brought you to the LA area and what inspires you today? Well, I think there's, I think at a level of, uh, of, um, when you're, you know, if you depending on what you're trying to do in the entertainment industry, if there's only a few major markets that you could go to, LA just was the one that I had the best roots already planted in with my cousin living here. And, um, you know, once I felt like it was time for me to get out of DC and really pursue my dreams, it, it just made sense. I mean, if, if there were more if I had more relatives that lived in New York, I would have moved there. You know, if my cousin Brian, it's really wherever my cousin Brian would have been living was where I would have moved to. And because he was living in L.A., I just he had a couch and I, it was like 26 years old and I just felt like it was time. And so you live with your lived with Brian on his couch. So the, the whole uh, comedian shtick is kind of true. Well, I, I think when you're when whatever you're following your dreams, you know, if you if you're not prepared to be homeless, then you're not going to make it. And, you know, it's a it's a choice you have to make, which is like give up com- being comfortable to pursue your dream. And I did that for, you know, the first like three years of my of, of, of being out here where it wasn't like super stable. But, 
you know, I just kept plugging and knowing that it was going to work out. And with every opportunity, I, I used it to help better my living situation as much as I could. And until one day it just, you know, I mean, I have, I've, I've been doing stand up for, for 10 years and I've only, it's only been for the last two years that I've been like financially stable. I mean, it's, and it's still, it's still every day is, you know, there's, there's nothing certain. I think that's the best way to say it. Right. And I think that that goes for anything in life. I mean, there are so many entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now that can totally relate to your journey. Uh, You know, it's really, it's living the dream, living your dream, but being able to let go of the glamour and the glorification of the life that you want to live in the beginning, you know, because entrepreneurship is glamorized as this beautiful thing. And in reality, it's like you have to give up a lot of the comforts of life to eventually get where you want to be, but you don't necessarily know how long that's going to take. So in comedy, they say that the first year, and this is relative to entrepreneurship as well for anything, it's the first year of doing it is the toughest. So what changed for you along the way besides for the last two years, as you said, for more financial security? So was there a certain mindset that shifted for you along the way? And, you know, how did you get over those, the slumps that you had to go through over the past decade? I don't think... I think it was, it was, I had more fun when I was broke. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it right now, but I enjoyed the process of, of, you know, working on my craft and, and starting with the guys that I started with. And so it wasn't a, it never was, uh, even when it was bad, it was never bad. It was, I, I loved it. I mean, I've, I've always loved every second of this. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because some of the best writers that I know or that I've read, uh, you know, looking at Bukowski or, you know, Poe, all of these writers and artists are, they create from misery and pain and struggle. And it's the same with comedians, really. And and I find that really interesting that you can really create and hone your craft from that place of, of uh, I don't, it's, it's a struggle. It's really coming so into yourself and coming into your core that you can create from that place. Were there any mentors or anyone that helped you, guide you to know that you were on the right path and that you weren't going to go crazy, you weren't going to be homeless? You know, is there any book, were there any books that you read? What was the mindset shift that, that helped you get through? One, I don't read that much. Uh, so it wasn't a book that did it. It was just, it was just my belief in myself. Even when I was at my lowest uh, living in my parents' basement when I was 24 years old, or 22 or however young, I never doubted that I would be doing this for a living. I've known this since I was six years old, that I was going to be entertaining people in some way. And whether it was music or stand up, I was just, that's what I was really good at. And I knew I was better at other people at certain things than, you know, than most. So it it really wasn't like, like even being broke, I, I knew like when me and my buddy were talking to ourselves saying, God, I can't wait till we have money. It wasn't God, I wish one day we had money. I just can't wait till we have it. It's coming. We just don't know when. The success is coming. You have to believe that. If you don't believe it, then nobody else is. I mean, I've doubted myself, but there, you know, where I've been like, God, am I ever gonna? But I have to snap out of that as as fast as that that thought comes into my head because that'll just bring you down and and not destroy you, but just you know, 
you have to be your, your, yourself. Uh, you have to be your, your, your biggest supporter. You have to believe in yourself more than anybody. I've had people say to me like, Oh, you're definitely going to make it or, you know, or, or people that I want respect from not give it to me as fast as I want to, but I know eventually if, if they're not going to, I have to respect myself. So it's literally just, if it's burning inside you, that's, that's what will push you forward. I don't think there's anybody that can give you advice. The only advice that I've ever heard from anybody in this business is don't take anybody's advice. <laughs> that's the truth. You know, if you have that drive within yourself, you can't outsource that. You can't get that from anywhere else. And yeah. you have to keep coming back to yourself in order to keep yourself going. And I really think that that, that drives a person. And I feel like that defines your character. You know, if you can get through the lows and you know what that's like, then, you know, and you can see in the future, you just don't know when that you will eventually get to success. Uh, whatever that success means to for you, whether it's financial or fame or, you know, whatever it is, you know what you're seeking and you have to constantly tap back into who you truly are in order to see the bigger picture. It really makes an impact on who you are as a person so that you can kind of make people laugh. I mean, really, that's what you're here, here on this earth to do is to make people laugh. And you do it really well. I mean, I, I've, I've watched a bunch of your shows and I know my podcast, we, we like to get a little serious and dive into like the grit behind a person's character, but you're freaking hilarious person. And you know, you have some awesome stuff coming up in the future. You have a show called the goddamn comedy jam. Can you talk a little bit more about this? I love the name of it. I actually saw a recording of it at the Roxy and it was awesome. And I know it's uh, taken some time to build into what it's becoming, but are you able to talk about what this is? The jam was started Back in like 2008, there was a little theater in Los Angeles when I first started doing stand up that these two girls ran. And it was the theater. The comedy show was terrible, but there were, the hang was what was great. Everybody was partying and singing and doing stuff. And the guy that owned the theater was this eccentric uh, artist that just cared so much about everybody having free expression. And after the, the show was done, everybody would just hang out and he had all these instruments and I would start playing them because I was far better at music at the time than I was at stand-up because I was literally maybe two or three months into stand-up comedy. And um, I just started noticing all the comics knew how to play instruments or sing or, or were, were loving that. And, and so then I met a band there at that theater and just kept in touch with them and had this idea that comedians would do stand up, then tell a story about a song and then they'd sing it with a live band. And I sat on the idea for years and then I uh, decided to do it in 2010 and we did a couple of them and they were all right. And then I put it on the on ice and then I brought it back again in 2014 and, and we were just really lucky. It was it was lightning in a bottle like. You know, Bill Burr was on the first one and then the second one, and then he told everybody. And then it's just been off to the races ever since. We've sold out every show we've done here in Los Angeles, and we take it to major festivals around the world. And it had a short lived series on Comedy Central. Um, and it's just this really beautiful thing where, you know, on paper, the idea doesn't sound good to hear a comedian tell a story about a cover song and then sing it. But just the execution, it's not work. It's fun. Like I, I don't, I don't look at it like, like I don't, it's just, it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever done in my life. And long after I'm dead, if I never do anything else, like that show will be remembered here in Los Angeles. Uh, if you know, because it's just, it's, it's just so great. 
Yeah, that you bring up an interesting point about legacy and and leaving that legacy behind and and comedians and I I I love it. I love the fact that you really are in comedy to not just to stay true to yourself, but to really leave a lasting legacy. Uh, who are some comedians that have inspired you? Have you, did you grow up watching any comedians that have left a lasting legacy? I mean, they're all over the place. Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, Paula Poundstone, Lenny Bruce, um, Martin Lawrence. I mean, it's just I'm I, I grew up like Mel Brooks. I mean, it's just it's all over the place. Uh, there's not one in in particular. I think the one that has the biggest impact now right now is bill and he's a friend um but it's just i love watching him and seeing how he writes and and then patrice o'neill who i think is one of the best comedians that's ever lived it's just it's just a very uh you know it's but like i said i also love paula poundstone so who knows like it's just i just love comedy and i and i love it doesn't make a difference if they're a dirty comic or a observational comic if they touch me and they make me giggle i mean then i love that stuff you know yeah, absolutely. I love that every different comedian is inspiring you. And, and I think you that's the whole point is to take bits and pieces of how you've been inspired and create your own. Um, and yeah, and I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the show, the Amazon show, uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Mizell. I have not, but everybody's talking about it. Yeah, I watched it a few months ago and I freaking love the show and it really made me more interested in stand-up comedy and improv and, you know, being a female comedian at the time, it takes place in the 50s. I mean, being a female comic today is hard as it is, but back in the day in the 50s, it was even that much harder. So I'm just curious, that type of energy, that type of dynamic between improv and working with the crowd and how does that dynamic work when you're actually live in the moment? Do you have like an outside body experience when you're talking to the crowd or are you in your mind or like, how does that work? Well, it just depends if I'm high or if I'm sober. That's the first thing. (laughs) Right. If I'm high, if I'm high, I'm having a complete out of body experience. I can't tell you like, I did a show not too long ago. I'm headlining at the Irvine Improv, and it's just a long drive down there. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just smoke some pot. And you go on stage, and you're telling your 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 jokes, and you're talking to the audience, and you have this minute, or this like moment, where you're up there, and you're like, you're like, ha, you just like, ha, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. Where it's just like, holy shit, I'm saying things in front of people and trying to make them laugh. And I mean, I have that sober, you know, when I perform too, but. I'm very comfortable up there. If I'm present on stage, if I'm present, if I take that moment to, you know, look at the audience, take a second to, to be in the moment, I'm not talking to these people. I'm, I'm being a part of them. I'm taking them on a journey. And if I'm having fun, then they're having fun. That's the main thing is that that's what I can't fake. And, and no one can fake is that you have to be enjoying it. If you're enjoying it, then the crowd will enjoy it. So that's literally it. It's always, it's always just, you know, if I'm present, it, it's everything will go fine. Yeah. And that's a palpable experience. You know, the crowd can read you like right away as a comedian. I'm sure you realize this, but I, you know, I'm a speaker too. And, and it's like, if you're not enjoying yourself, people can feel that energy right away. So it's like, you better be loving what you do. Otherwise you're going to have a hard time up on stage. <laughs> oh, 1 million percent. It's, it's definitely, I mean, I'm a hard sell as it is. I walk up there looking the way that I do, you know, uh, with my voice and the way it sounds and, and just everything. It's like I've had I've had 
at huge showcases, I've had people say to me, you know, you went up there and I thought I was going to hate you. And then immediately, then like a minute in, I'm like, wow, I really like this guy. So I always feel like I start in a hole, but, you know, just because I have a rough exterior and just the way I sound and the way I look. But in actuality, I'm like this very sensitive, sweet person. So I, I just want everybody to have a good time. I think that's why the jam is so successful, because we can't hide it. Like everybody is just on board because I'm having more fun than everybody. And if I'm having fun, then I don't give a fuck if the audience is having fun, because if I'm having fun, they're they're 99 percent of the time with me. Yeah, absolutely. That's really what it all comes down to is just the presence and just being showing up and being present for your audience. If your mind is distracted, it all is energy, right? I, I think it's fascinating because I'm tempted to sign up for an improv class just to get out of my comfort zone. I'm a natural introvert. I'm not a natural speaker. I'm a natural writer for sure. And I've come a long way just by having this podcast in and of itself and talking to people like you that are just so natural on stage and as speakers. It's really admirable to me. And I always just like to stretch myself out of my comfort zone and to challenge myself. So, you know, facing our fears is just one of the most beautiful things on this planet to do is to get out of your box. You know, how do you challenge yourself today? You know, you stand on stage regularly in front of people, and I'm sure that that's challenging in and of itself. But do you do anything else that kind of takes you out of your comfort zone? Do I do anything else that takes me out of my comfort zone? I mean, I'm a very active person. I live kind of now on a very like regimented lifestyle where I, I try to do everything at the same time throughout the day. <clears throat> so um, when I get thrown out of that, I'm out of my comfort zone. But I mean, as far as performing, I mean, everything I do is is definitely any new show or new audiences, you know, I'm comfortable, but it's like, I look at this audience and you're always like, all right, well, you know, are they going to like me? Is this going to work? But it's, it's just, I'm, a, I'm very, very comfortable on stage. To be honest, I, I'm very uncomfortable off stage. Uh, I used to be very comfortable on off stage and be like a very extroverted person and just, you know, want to be around everybody and, and just, you know, with things that have gone on in life, I've just pulled back more and more. And, and so I'm, I'm much happier and I'm much easier to talk on stage than off. So, you know, just going out in public sometimes is challenging, you know, to want to have to go, oh, we have to go to this thing. And I'm like, I just don't want to be around people. So on stage, on stage is just, that's where I'm happy. And that's where I'm comfortable. Wow, that's so fascinating to me. <laughs> it used to be, I used to love being at parties. I used to love being out. I used to love being around people. I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying that I feel way more comfortable on stage. Interesting. Do you think that has to do with like the, how your lifestyle has shifted over the years and, and you know, just getting more grounded and stable? In well, I don't yourself? know. I, I think I think we're going to need some some in-depth psychotherapy uh, <laughs> over the next couple of years to figure out why. So I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> I think it's I think it's definitely things that have happened to me and and, um, you know, life life happens and life can you know change you a little bit. So I'm not saying that it's definitely that, but I just don't know. I just, you know, I've definitely just found what I like. It's like this as I've gotten older. I still can't tell you what I like, but I can tell you what I don't like. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I totally get it. That's the thing with getting older. It's like you know more of what you don't like. You become more mature, I guess, in a way, because you can single out what you don't like, but at the same time, you're like, what else is there to like? So Sure. <laughs> 
So are there any shows that you're working on now that you're excited about? Uh, well, I'm out with uh, my friends Avery Pearson and Jeremiah Watkins, and we're we're pitching a new show, uh, a scripted show. I'm very excited about that. Um, the Jam, uh, even though it was canceled by Comedy Central, we are going to be bringing it back to television um, within the near future. And I mean, I'm just working on my hour right now and a few other projects. Um, you know, but that, that's about it right now. It's just, it's, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of touring and, and just loving it right now. I, I kind of just love the situation I'm in. I mean, I would love to be bigger. I'd love to have more money, but I think it's just a matter of being like, okay with where you're at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone listening to that can appreciate that message. You know, it's always important to, I hate the word hustle or strive. I, I really think it's more going back to the basics and aligning and being okay and being comfortable with where you're at so that you can give yourself that strong foundation to grow. So I think you do that really well. And I think you're going to be, I, I know you're going to be, you know, a huge, awesome comedian um, someday. I definitely know that for sure. So thank um, you. I'm excited that my audience has the chance to get to hear your message now um, because you're super talented and hilarious. So I'm so excited that you joined me on this podcast, The Art of Humanity, Josh. Uh, oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. It's my pleasure. Trust me. Where can we go to learn more about your work? Or if uh, listeners are in the L.A. area, where can we go to see some of your shows? Uh, if you just want to find me on social media, it's Josh Adam Myers on all social media. M-E-Y-E-R-S is how you spell my last name. My website's joshadammyers.com. And uh, just, just find me on social media and uh, all my shows are listed. And there's a lot of cool things coming up. Thanks so much, Josh. I really appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to season three of my podcast, The Art of Humanity. Are you enjoying it? I hope so. You can leave a review in the iTunes store. Thank you so much to my podcast team, French engineer Kevin Kurigian, and big shout out to Fina Charlson in the UK for helping to bring the art of humanity together. The goal of this podcast is to raise consciousness of both my listeners and myself as I explore creativity through leadership, art, and purpose. I'm always learning, and through these conversations, I get unique personal perspectives from my guests in their respective fields. Next season will be an entirely new adventure. I have a ton of ideas, which I'm excited to share with you when the timing is right. Until next time, I'm Jessica Ann. Listen, explore, evolve. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter, at It's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with the art of humanity.